The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Therapeutic Approach to Growth with your host, Brooke Wagner. Each week, this program will focus on interests and expertise pertaining to special needs individuals and their families. We'll help you open up and connect while sharing powerful information. Now, here is Brooke Wagner. Welcome, everyone, to Therapeutic Approach to Growth. I am host, Brooke Wagner. Our goal of the show is to offer support, resources, and most importantly, hope to the special needs community. And today I have with me an incredible mom who I've had the privilege of working with for about eight years now, Katina Haverlock. And Katina has been an inspiration to me from the day we began working together. And I'm just so excited to have her on the show today to be able to share her testimonial and story of raising her son with autism, Adam. So welcome, Katina. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. No, I'm very excited and um, I've just been looking forward to having you uh, as a guest on our show and being able to share your story and and uh, your perseverance and everything that you've been able to do and to support Adam. And um, one of the things that we really value here at TAG is, is parents being informed so they can make a choice around the type of treatment that best meets their family's values. And um, I just so appreciate you being open to sharing your story with our listeners. So I'd love to begin with going back to the beginning and hearing more about Adam and um, where this the story began. Sure. So um, Adam is uh, our first of four children. So um, I was a first-time mom when Adam was born. He came into this world weighing almost 10 pounds. He was just all rolls and smiles and um, had a really amazing first year of life. He developed beautifully. He um, hit every developmental and physical milestone just as he should. Um, We um, developed a beautiful relationship. Um, He had a beautiful relationship with me and his father and his grandparents and cousins and kids in the neighborhood. He was very, very social, very interactive, um, very curious, as babies and toddlers are, and um, it was just a beautiful, beautiful first year of life for him. Um, Shortly after his first birthday, we started to notice some very frightening changes in Adam. Um, One of the first things that I think we noticed is that he stopped making eye contact with us, and we just, you know, being first-time parents, weren't quite sure what to make of that, but just kind of dismissed that as, oh, this is part of his personality. Perhaps he's just grouchy or just kind of antisocial, and this is just some development in his, you know, his personality. Um, but then we started to notice other things that we couldn't ignore, um, such as he he lost his language. So um, he was, you know, an early talker, began talking around one and had all kinds of, um, you know, short phrases, would um, request blues coos by saying blues clues and putting his hands up in the air like the host Steve does. He, um, you know, reached up to be held. He he babbled. He um, loved to look at himself in the mirror. He, um, I remember shortly before his regression, 
Christmas, he um, stole my dad's cowboy hat and stood in the middle of a circle of people and insisted that every person in that circle try on the cowboy hat and clapped for himself and cheered when they would clap for him. And so it was just, um, we knew when he, um, we started seeing these changes that something was wrong. So, um, you know, the the language went away. His language was replaced with kind of some um, unusual sound sounding shrieking and kind of a lot of crying. Um, He started to flap his hands and engage in kind of repetitive behaviors that were um, frightening. We thought perhaps he had developed a hearing um, uh, disorder and maybe that um, he had lost his hearing because he would no longer respond to um, his name or to conversation. He stopped running to the door when the doorbell rang, when it was the neighbor kids. Um, So things like that. So it was a very... um, was a very rapid regression. I would say within two weeks, um, every developmental milestone and skill that Adam had acquired um, in his short life had had left, and it was um, terrifying and and devastating, to say the least. Wow. Wow. That is incredible uh, to go through that process and to experience that in such a short period of time. And I know that many of our families that uh, we've worked with over the years here at TAG have had similar experiences and, and how devastating that can be. And um, and now following that, um, is that what triggered you to take him in to be evaluated and, and get the diagnosis? Yes. Yeah, so I, you know, I took him to the pediatrician um, pretty immediately because I was very concerned and um, she, she dismissed it as, you know, boys are our later talkers. And I, even though I tried to explain to her, um, you know, it's not that he's a late talker, he's lost his language. Um, it, we were, it was really just kind of dismissed. Um, and so um, it was a lot of um, research on our own and it took us the better part of a year of um, research and, and um, you know, autism. That was when it really was starting to, um, escalate where we started to see a lot more kids diagnosed with autism. So um, it was it was still in those early stages. It wasn't um, on the TV and we didn't have, you know, big advocacy groups like we do today. So um, um, even the internet was kind of new back then or I was new to the internet. So um, it, it took us a better part of a year um, to understand what was going on. So at the, the end of that year, I had a friend mention to me, she I was expressing to her my concerns and just my bewilderment at the change in him. And she said, you know, have you ever um, considered that perhaps it, it could be autism. And I'll admit that I was a little bit angry at her because all I had heard about autism, all that I thought I knew was that these were kids that, um, you know, I'd seen the movie Rain Man. So these kids could count, you know, if you drop some toothpicks, they could count them all within seconds and that they were all self-injurious and didn't want to be loved or cuddled. That, that was my um, understanding of autism, which was obviously um, wrong and very limited. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I um, went to the internet and started researching, it took me maybe five minutes to know that, yes, indeed, this is what we were facing. And I, I have to say that for a parent who um, gets that diagnosis, you know, when you're reading on the computer, it's for us, it was um, a lot like a death. You know, we've experienced um, deaths in the family, and it's just a horrible feeling of loss. And uh, his father and I both kind of felt like that with Adam because to have something so perfectly beautiful and whole and complete and right, to have that taken from you in such a a um, mysterious way in such an um, instant and, and fast way was just, it, we really felt like we were grieving. And um, mm-hmm. so we, um, after um, we um, decided that probably it was autism, we, we began our um, formal diagnosis process with professionals, with our um, early intervention agency, and um, were able to come to a formal diagnosis a couple of months after we had kind of come to that conclusion on our own. Okay. 
Okay. Now that's a long journey to go through, and um, you know it's, it speaks to um, your drive and determination to find answers. And um, I know that you haven't stopped <laughs> that journey um, since since the beginning. And um, I know you know over the years. Um, I can say with certainty that you've you really haven't ever stopped learning and educating yourself and and striving to better support Adam um, since I've known you and it would be great to briefly hear more about the therapies that you've tried and implemented over the years. Sure. So we you know we determined right away that we wanted the very very best for Adam and so we did our research and um, the the city that we were living in had a, a pretty strong network of families and parents who were doing their very best to help their children with autism. And so um, after talking to a lot of parents and doing some research, we decided that um, we would forego a clinical um, environment for Adam, that we knew that he would require intensive intervention to hopefully regain a lot of the skills and, um, you know, things that he had lost. Um, But we decided that we, it was very important for us and our value system and our family um, culture to have him at home with us. We, We couldn't stomach the thought of a clinical setting at that time. He was only two, you know, he's a mm-hmm. baby in diapers. And um, so it was very important to us that he be home. So we found um, an intervention called Applied Behavioral Analysis, which um, allows for a consultant to come to your home and to um, kind of um, train you and um, a group of aides that you hire and pick to implement therapy in a home-based setting. And so um, at that time, it was what everybody in our city was doing, and um, it, you know, it, was, it seemed like the, the best approach for Adam. So we, we implemented an ABA program. We, um, it was 40 hours a week, so Adam had a very long week. Um, we did things in the home and the community, and, um, and he learned you know, um, quite a few things. I mean, he learned to be very compliant. He learned to listen to instructions and to follow instructions. Um, we were fortunate to have a really incredible speech therapist on our team as one of our tutors. Her specialty was language acquisition, so he developed some language, although it was not um, like his language before in terms of ease and naturalness and, um, you know, it was more strained, but at least, you know, functional communication is so important for these kiddos. And so um, he, he learned some, some great things. Um, in, in those years, we also, in addition to um, the tutor we had, had who had speech therapy background, we um, consulted with a speech therapist and did um, some intensive speech therapy. We did occupational therapy. We made sure that we had play dates for Adam several times a week to try and facilitate social skills among him and a group of peers. And um, so that's kind of where we started. And we stuck with our um, home-based ABA program for eight years, um, uh, implementing a school environment as he grew older. So when he turned four, we, we started adding some preschool into that um, model. Okay, great. Now, um, the relationship that you and I have had has been of um, working on an RDI, uh, under the RDI model. So I'd love to delve yeah. into that now. And um, I want to start with probably the most important focus area in RDI, and that is strengthening the parent-child relationship. And it'd be wonderful to have you talk about what your relationship was like prior to starting your RDI program and how that compares to what your relationship looks like today. Sure. And I think, you know, um, when we were, you know, in our home-based ABA program, we were so focused on Adam acquiring skills and tasks that we kind of lost sight of what was 
so important to us, which was the relationship that we had lost with him. And um, I'll never forget, Adam had a tutor that went away for the summer, and she came back, and she said, oh, Katina, we, we, there's something you need to know. <laughs> and she said, there's this amazing intervention for kids with autism, and it's called Relationship Development Intervention. And I worked this whole summer with a kiddo, and let me just show you a couple of things. And so she sat Adam down on the floor, and our entire group of tutors was there because we had had a team meeting. And so we all watched as Bobby, our tutor, um, engaged in these games with Adam in a very different natural way. Um, mm-hmm. He wasn't being told what to do. He was, um, you know, it was just this very, um, they were ex- experience sharing, like sharing this moment. And I, it just took two games of, of Bobby and Adam interacting. And I saw his face light up and I saw this recognition stir in his eyes. And I thought, holy cow, I have to learn more about this. So um, it was I, I, I had never heard of the intervention before, but I knew that I had to learn more. And, um, you know, it was shortly after that that we, we met you and, um, and started with the RDI approach. And so I'll say, I think you asked what our relationship was like before RDI. Um, obviously full of love. We, uh, the, the love has always been there, and that's what's driven us to do everything that we have done for Adam. Um, it may sound extreme to some people, too that we had him learning 40 hours a week. I know that sounds like a lot for a two-year-old, but it truly was love that um, prompted us and motivated us to, to do that for him. And I know that every parent I met, it was, it was their love for their children and their desire to get anything back that they could um, that, that motivates us to have our, our children in this learning environment, even when at that young age, for 40 hours a week. So it was always a relationship filled with love. Um, I mentioned earlier that I didn't think that Adam could have autism because, as I understood it, kids with autism weren't affectionate or didn't require um, or desire, rather, love or interaction or hug or cuddles. And Adam has always been kind of a huggy, snuggly kid. And so, um, you know, lots of love in the relationship um, before relationship development intervention, but um, not a lot of meaningful interaction um, because as I knew how to interact with my younger kids who, who are all neurotypical kids who do not have autism, I found it very hard to know how to reach out and connect with Adam um, using the approach that we were using. So when I felt like I wanted quality time with him, I would take him up to his little classroom and we would do flashcards or numbers or letters because I didn't know how else to reach out to him. I mean, um, his dad did a lot of tackling and tickling and hugging, and we, we noticed in those moments when there wasn't pressure upon Adam for a right or wrong answer, and they were just letting themselves be and letting these moments develop naturally, but that's when Adam lit up the most. Mm-hmm. And so his dad kind of had it right all along, I think, looking back. Um, but um, once we began the relationship development intervention approach, um, I learned that there were very natural ways that I could interact with Adam that would bring a great deal of joy and understanding to both of us that we could um, regain this connection that I was beginning to think had perhaps been lost forever, this this intense connection that we had when he was a baby. He's now at this um, age 10 when we started RDI, and I was thinking, will he ever look at me because he just wants to look at me, not because he's being told, give me your eyes, look at me, you know, uh, will he ever, will that be a natural thing for him ever? And um I remember, Brooke, when we started working with you, you said, oh, it'll be so great for you when his eye contact resumes. And I remember thinking, mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, eight years of trying and it, and it hadn't. Um, to the contrary, he just, you know, the eye contact had gotten worse and worse. So um, 
So the relationship started to develop very, very early on when we started using RDI as a therapeutic intervention, and that was just um, exhilarating and mind-blowing to know that, that these things that we thought we had lost and that were perhaps gone forever were coming back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's a beautiful process. I think that's probably the most rewarding uh, process that I get to experience as an RDI consultant is to see that emotional connection between the parent and child come back and come alive and um, see that blossom through their experiences together. And yes, yes. There's really no words for that. There's no words for how badly it hurts when it goes away or for what a beautiful thing it is when it comes back. Mm-hmm. And I love that, you know, one of the things you mentioned was that, um, you know, prior to that, the, the, some of the communication he was using um, wasn't as meaningful. And, that, and when we talk about communication in RDI, we're looking at not just verbal communication, we're looking at nonverbal communication, too. And that eye contact or, or a phrase we use a lot is eye gaze and that gaze shifting. And I think that, um, you know, seeing the amount of gaze shifting um, that Adam uses today is so impactful and that, you know, he really values being able to check in non-verbally and find out information that's relevant to a situation um, because it's important to him, not because he's been told to do it. And um, just seeing that come alive in him and, and really become so natural for him now um, and just a part of his thought process is, is so beautiful to see. It is so natural. Just the other day, we were staying at a hotel, and we were um, taking an elevator ride to our room, and um, we were there with all four of our kids, and Adam had on this really cool vintage Star Wars shirt that he got for Christmas from Grandma. And I mentioned to my husband, I said, I really love that shirt that Adam has. It's so cool. <laughs> and Adam, he, he looked at me and kind of smiled, and then he pulled his shirt out and looked down and kind of studied it and looked back at me and smiled like, yeah, it's pretty cool. And, mm-hmm. you know... There wasn't a lot of verbal communication right there, but what I love about RDI is that we understand that there are other forms of communication, such as our facial expressions and our gestures and the way that we look at one another that count and that are valid. And just because our child may not be incredibly verbal, it doesn't mean that the other forms of communication that they're using aren't valid. Mm -hmm. And sometimes even more meaningful than verbal communication. I mean, if anyone thinks about a relationship that they have with a a spouse or a child, you know that an entire conversation can take place with a couple of glances. Absolutely. (laughs) um, I just love that, that um, we as parents understand how valuable his nonverbal communication is. Um, And whereas before, I don't think we understood that. Absolutely. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so glad we had a chance to connect about that today and share that information. And um, with that, we're going to go to a quick break. But uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about co-regulatory interactions and um, what we did um, in the beginning when we started your RDI program with Adam and, and where we began. So with that, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. At Therapeutic Approach to Growth, we offer comprehensive and holistic supports to individuals with developmental and acquired disabilities. Our programs include parent education and guidance, speech therapy, occupational therapy, educational and behavioral support, and counseling. 
We assume competence and believe in treating the entire family system. We offer both in-person and long-distance services. We support our clients in any environment, from home to school and beyond. Mention this show for a free consultation. To learn more, you can reach us at tagforgrowth.com. Therapeutic approach to growth. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skin Care Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Therapeutic Approach to Growth. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also reach Brooke Wagner via email to bwagner at tagforgrowth.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Host Brooke Wagner here. And today I have with me Katina Haberlock, who is a mom with a young man with autism, Adam. And we're talking about her experience um, parenting her son, Adam, and um, trying to really hone in on her experience with RDI, which is Relationship Development Intervention. And I've had the privilege of working with her over the last eight years and her family. And just so excited to have her here today to be able to share more about what that experience has been like um, supporting her son in this way. And prior to the break, we had touched on um, coming back after and talking about co-regulation. And co-regulation is a term we use um, quite a lot in RDI. It's a developmental term in the field of developmental psychology. And it's a term that we use to set the stage for Uh, setting up interactions where the child feels competent and successful and um, they understand their role. Um, It's a meaningful role. It's authentic to them. And it's a role that um, they understand in in such a way that they wouldn't require necessarily direct prompting. Um, And it would be a role that would be um, with another partner, a person, a partner, a parent, um, where their roles are working together uh, to complete a mutual goal. And um, so I remember, Katina, when we started, we really had to begin with very simple co-regulatory interactions uh, for Adam. And this was um, based on his history of uh, receiving those direct prompts um, 
from his other therapies. And we really had to carefully frame interactions in a way that would set Adam up for success and begin to show him that he could be a participant without direct prompting. So it'd be wonderful to hear more about uh, these types of interactions and how you experienced them as you were learning about RDI. Right. I I remember being so surprised that after... um eight years of intensive interventions of various sorts that, that we were at square one with co-regulation. And um, that's one of the reasons I knew immediately that RDI was the path we had to take because um, I understood from parenting other children that this is something that happened with my other children on a daily basis several times a day. Mm-hmm. And so um, understanding that this was such a deficit for Adam was very eye-opening. So I remember starting with just simple things like rolling a ball back and forth and and look, rolling a ball back and forth is not rocket science, but if you use that as a platform for interaction, it becomes much more complex. So um, I remember rolling a ball back to, you know, back and forth with Adam and your instructions were you can't tell him what to do. He has to assess the situation. He has to read your gestures and your facial expressions, your pauses, and determine for himself what to do. And I remember you telling me, you know, that was because he needs to be a problem solver and a thinker and understand what his role in the interaction is. And if, if we continue to tell him, then he never really has to think for himself. So I remember doing things as simple as, you know, rolling a ball back and forth. And because at that point, Adam was not super um, desirous to engage in co-regulatory interactions, we would, mm-hmm. we would have to kind of do it up against the wall. Okay, Adam, you sit in this corner right here and I'll be right here because I kind of had to act as a barrier so that he wouldn't want to escape the interaction because interaction was so uncomfortable for him at that point. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but it was great. We'd use, a, we'd roll a ball back and forth and I would be able to pause until he, you know, would look at me and I would be able to smile and, and he figured it out. He figured out, okay, I'm supposed to roll this ball back and forth. Um, a couple of other things we did is, um, you know, we would like hold hands and take a walk and swing our arms back and forth. And I may swing our arms up and wait, put, apply pressure to swing our arms back down. Um, mm-hmm. So, just very, very simple um, partner tasks, but um, the tasks being as a, as a means for um, co-regulation to take place. Oh, I love that. I, I remember them very vividly, and I remember um, thinking how important it was to set that foundation for him, set that stage for him, so that he had that core understanding of how an interaction worked at just even that basic form um, without the direct prompting, but as you mentioned, for him to be able to think and problem solve and respond based on what he processed and what was meaningful to him in the interaction. And um, I think that's so essential. Um, you know, now looking at him today, we see, you know, how that foundation really was paramount to all of the things he's discovering and learning today. You know, that's just a given for him that he um, understands that he has a role and his role is important and you have a role and or whoever his partner is has a role and you work together to complete amazing things. So um, it was um, really getting back down to the basics in the beginning. And I think important that um, that, you know, we were able to do that and set that stage for him. So. Um, For those of you who don't know, RDI is a developmental model, and so with that being said, we really focus on identifying critical deficit areas and work towards remediating them by giving our clients opportunities for growth. And um, I'd like to touch on some of the areas that we focused on with Adam and how you were able to guide him through this uh, growth process. Right. So, I mean, so many things. Um, So, specifically... um, 
you know, Adam just, I think understanding that um, he has accountability within a role, that um, his, his job within an inter- or I guess he has a role, and therefore, because he has a role, there's accountability. So um, an interaction isn't just being told what to do and carrying that out. An interaction is having your own thoughts and opinions as well and contributing as well. So um, I remember making, you know, um, art projects with Adam, and we would sit down and have all these materials, and we would each make choices and decisions on, on the way the art project would go. And just to see him um, thinking through that process and and showing me that he had opinions and thoughts of his own. And again, in the beginning, not so much in a verbal way, but, you know, clearly because he chose blue glitter, that was appealing to him. Um, Mm -hmm. Wasn't being told to, hey, take this and shake it. He was, you know, making decisions on his own. So, um, you know, that was a great thing. Um, We were able to, um, I'm not quite sure if this is where, um, if I'm answering the question in the way that you want to, but we were able to take... um, everyday things that we would do and make everything an interaction. We could turn everything into an interaction. So mm-hmm. something as simple as washing the windows could become this great social moment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Adam can score the windows and I can wipe them with a paper towel. And again, not rocket science. It's not a hard thing to score a bottle of Windex, but then when you add the social components in and make that a connecting and bonding moment, it's, it's a miracle. Um, mm-hmm. You know, unloading the dishwasher. I'll hand you a plate, Adam. You put it in, and then we'll take a moment to celebrate that we did something together. And so, mm-hmm. just um, you know, today Adam loves to do laundry. He loves to help in the kitchen. And there's just it's just wonderful to know that there we will never run out of ideas. We will never run out of ways to connect socially because of the framework that's been laid, and because of these you know interactive and co-regulatory skills that Adam has now. Oh, I love that. And and as you were mentioning the the spray bottle, I remember vividly. Uh, a video clip that you sent me when you were w- working on that co-regulation and um, you're working on nonverbal communication and your gestures and smiling to confirm that um, what he was thinking was correct. And I remember you cleaning the bathroom together and you both cleaned that entire bathroom <laughs> from top to bottom. And um, naturally cleaning the bathroom isn't our end goal, but it's a nice bonus. Um, but, you know, you were able to really stay connected. He followed you, connected with you and um, really was an apprentice to you. Um, he really saw you as a guide and um, that, that was uh, um, such a powerful turning point, I think, um, at that point in your intervention. Um, and it was, and, and what was amazing is that we cleaned that entire bathroom without sharing any verbal exchanges at all. And I'm not mm-hmm. discounting the beauty of verbal, verbal language because it's a beautiful, wonderful thing, but just that he was able to stay still in tune and not try to escape um, as he was in the very beginning and that he was motivated to be there, that he wanted to be there. It was just, you know, I remember thinking that day, we really turned a corner here. Mm-hmm. It was huge. It was huge. And I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and how powerful nonverbal communication really is, and I know that was one of the key thing. One of the key things we also worked on in the beginning um, was shifting your communication. And as we do with uh, most of our families, um, we really take a close look at the communication, the verbal communication, and the nonverbal communication that they're using with their children. And how it's, you know, helping or hindering their relationship. So um, I know that we did that as well with you. And, and we really focused on reducing that demand. We wanted to reduce that direct prompting specifically for Adam um, because he was uh, very prompt dependent. Um, and we wanted to focus on engagement and connecting emotionally while also encouraging him to think for himself. And as you mentioned, we wanted him to be a problem solver and a thinker. So I'd love to hear about what that process like was 
like for you to shift your communication? And if you can recall some of the key things that we initially worked on, would be um, wonderful to hear more about. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, my communication with Adam up until that point was instructing him because that was what I had been taught to do and that was all I thought that he was capable of receiving. That was like, get your shoes, put your socks on, um, you know, um, and he was very, very good at following instructions, so I I counted that as success. But Mm -hmm. as a mother, I just knew something was missing. And so um, when we started RDI and we learned the concept of experience sharing, for instance, like you can just um, share how you're feeling with Adam right now. So if it's a sunny day, I can say, wow, I love how warm it is today. And, and I don't have to require a response from Adam. I can just share how I'm feeling because as, as human beings, that's what we do with one another anyway. We don't really drill one another, right? Right. <laughs> so it seems like a common sense thing that I would have been doing these things with Adam, but it was all I knew. And so when you know better, you do better. Um, and so, you know, starting to um, also use language um, with him that would um, allow him the opportunity to problem solve. So, for instance... Um, instead of saying, um, you know, shut the door, I could say something like, brr, it's really cold in here, and maybe kind of glance at the door. And then that, I remember, Adam, I remember the, just seeing the wheels turn in his head going like, it's okay, cold in here. Oh, the air's, you know, cold outside. Oh, the door's open. Oh, I can shut the door for my mom. So all mm-hmm. of that thought process that had to go on, because it would have been very easy just to say shut the door, and he would have right. done it because, again, he was very obedient. Um, but just the, that he had to think through probably like three or four things on his own to know what maybe I was getting at. And so um, mm-hmm. changing my communication from instructing to just kind of commenting, kind of using indirect um, cues, um, you know, some other things like um, I would say something like, well, I'm ready to go. I've got my coat and I've got my shoes, you know, or I might, may not even say shoes. I may even allow him to problem solve even further. Um, like he can now, like I'm ready to go. And then Adam would have to look around and see what that means. I've got my shoes on and my coat on and maybe his shoes and coat are lying right there. And he's able to figure out, Oh, I want to go too. I want to be ready. I guess I need to put my shoes and my coat on. So just allowing those opportunities for, um, dissecting the situation and looking at his surroundings and um, taking it all in and, and making those, um, you know, problem solving for himself was just, was just huge. And that, that happened just by changing our communication style with him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I know um, now he naturally problem solves for himself. He naturally observes his environment and, and will problem solve and make a decision uh, based on what he's observing, sometimes even without an indirect cue. And um, those indirect cues are so powerful and um, just such an amazing way to give the individual an opportunity to think without a demand um, and to have that uh, neural integration really happen um, so that their brain is actually changing the way that they process information. Um, So I think that one of the things that you really um, do well is um, spotlighting and um, using that communication that we uh, talk about in RDI to spotlight his successes. So it'd be great just to briefly touch on um, some examples of how you spotlight his successes today. Sure. Um, You know, just the other day we were playing a game together, um, which is still sounds so foreign coming out of my mouth. Adam and I were playing a game together. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a great thing. We were playing a game where um, you have to build a wall, a brick wall together, and Scooby-Doo sits on top, and then you take turns 
punching um, bricks out of the wall. So it's this really fun back and forth game. And um, as we were setting the game up together, there it gets really tricky if you're putting the last brick in. It's very very hard to wedge that brick in. And um, I I just um, knew that Adam could problem solve through that and allow for that. And um, it was really really hard because in order to make that last brick fit, he had to move another brick out of the way and then slide this one underneath and put it back in. It was this very complicated process to make this brick fit. And so I um, just laid back and, and um, let Adam work through that process on his own. And it may have taken him a good minute to figure it out. But um, when he did, I was able to spotlight for him how resilient he was and how he didn't get frustrated and how he stuck with it. And so I was able to say, you know, I'm so proud of you for putting this brick wall together with me because you really stuck with it and you didn't get frustrated and you stayed right here. So I was able to tell him what he did amazing and, and why it was that it was amazing. And so that's just a small example. And there are, you know, things like that happen every day. But, um, you know, it was just, I think it's a great thing that we can do with even our kids who, who don't have developmental disabilities to tell them what they did great and why it was that it was so great. Absolutely. And I think it's so different than just saying, you know, something like great job or good job or awesome. Um, but to give them very specific feedback about mm-hmm. why it was so important uh, so that they are encoding that memory um, very specifically. Um, you know, his, the end result really wasn't what was important in that example. It was the problem solving, the fact that he took his time and he reflected and he made a decision and it worked. And even if it didn't work, that's still another opportunity to realize you learn from your mistakes. So mm-hmm. um, I think what's also really important to note that um, as you were talking, I was thinking that you really took the time to allow him to go through that process. And that's something we really focus heavily on in RDI is slowing down and allowing our clients the opportunity to, to problem solve and to think. And, and sometimes that takes longer. And so, um, as you know, Katina, we have a general rule that we give up to 45 seconds of processing time. And when you allow for that, you see such beautiful results. And um, again, their brains are given that opportunity to integrate information um, because they don't have to rapidly respond um, and quickly respond. So um, I think that's so important that had you not done that, he wouldn't have had that opportunity to go through that process and successfully, um, you know, uh, be able to build that tower. So. Um, and then giving him that feedback in the end um, really honed it all in and gave, gave him that support that, oh, that really was important and I can do things and I can problem solve things. So when things, you know, are complicated or don't go as planned, I can work through them and I can uh, figure them out and I'm capable. So, Which is so important in real life situations because you can't script or predict how life is going to go. Our mm-hmm. kids need this resiliency. So the resiliency that Adam has developed makes me so confident and hopeful for his future because he is resilient and he will try again. And, and you're right. They, they kind of encode these memories when they, it's almost like it builds their confidence. He, he figured out that, you know, the first layer that he was able to fix that, that tricky block situation. So guess what? When he came to it again, he looked at me, he smiled mm-hmm. and he figured it out like, Hey, I, I got this. I remember, you know, so it was just great. And I, I think just slowing down, it helps you to realize how much your child is, really, truly capable of. Um, And it helps them to understand how much they themselves are capable of. So it's a a great two-way thing. 
It really is. It really is. And I love that added bonus of that nonverbal experience sharing connection you two had to, to celebrate that his success and being able to problem solve this this next challenge. So um, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about lifestyle and how we um, implement our strategies and our philosophy into daily life and, and what you are currently working on with regards to uh, implementing them into your lifestyle today. So with that, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Transformational healing includes energy medicine as well as hands on healing. Tune in every week to Transformational Healing with Dr. Bonnie Morrow. If you want to know more about the business and science of energy fields, chakras, and the medical and spiritual community, join our expert guests as we work together to bring you closer to your personal health vision. Transformational Healing is heard live every Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. At Therapeutic Approach to Growth, we offer comprehensive and holistic supports to individuals with developmental and acquired disabilities. Our programs include parent education and guidance, speech therapy, occupational therapy, educational and behavioral support, and counseling. We assume competence and believe in treating the entire family system. We offer both in-person and long-distance services. We support our clients in any environment, from home to school and beyond. Mention this show for a free consultation. To learn more, you can reach us at tagforgrowth.com. Therapeutic approach to growth. Biohacking for Health is working with your individual biology to gain access to and control over the systems within your body. It allows you to explore your biology and improve health and wellness. Each of us has unique genetic profiles and physiology that require individualized approaches. On Biohacking for Optimal Health, Dr. Daniel Stickler and his expert guests provide a roadmap to navigate the world of biohacking human potential. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Therapeutic Approach to Growth. To reach the show today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also reach Brooke Wagner via email to bwagner at tagforgrowth.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back. I host Brooke Wagner. And I, today I have with me uh, a mom that I've worked with for many years now, uh, Katina Haverlock. And she has a young man, a son, um, with autism. And before the break, we just touched on um, the importance of lifestyle in RDI and how to make it a way of life um, as opposed to just um, setting aside time to do therapy. So Katina, it would be great to hear how you've been able to integrate the information you've learned into your daily approach to supporting Adam and what kinds of things you're um, doing today with him. Sure. I think, you know, one of the, the biggest things that allowed has allowed us to have such a, a meaningful and wonderful life with Adam now is that through this process of this RDI process is that he's become very motivated and very curious. 
which I know is a huge challenge for kids with autism can be. And so that things now, interactions for Adam are intrinsically reinforcing. I remember when we used, we relied heavily on external reinforcement thinking, what am I going to do when he's 35? I, I'll run out of ideas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now the fact that he's just so intrinsically reinforced by interaction and by dynamic opportunities and variety um, is just a huge thing. So for instance, I mean, now Adam comes to Costco with me and he has a role. He helps me lift the heavy things. He pushes the cart. Um, he, you know, gets the things that I need from the shelf. And there would have been a day where I wouldn't have dreamed of taking Adam to Costco with me without one of our aides with me because I would need them to chase Adam while I was doing my shopping. And now he stays with me. Um, you know, he loves to cook in the kitchen. Just the other day, we were making um, fajitas, and I was dicing up peppers, and he came over to me and kind of tapped me on the shoulder and looked down at the knife, and I said, oh, do you want a chance to cut? And he kind of nodded, and I handed him the knife, and he chopped the rest of the peppers for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, there's just so many, I, I mean, too many to name, but if you can think of a situation, there's a way to implement RDI into that, and that has been life-changing for us because it's a way for us to... Um, keep Adam engaged in a productive and meaningful way where he's continually learning and growing and developing. And we know that that will continue that, you know, we've accepted that um, Adam's progression is probably a marathon, not a sprint. And it's okay because we're not in a hurry and we know there's not a deadline. We know there's no cutoff for learning for him, that he can continue to grow indefinitely. And so that has changed our lives. And I I can't even tell you that the improvement in quality of Adam's life and, and his family's life. That's huge. And I think one of the things that you touched on, and it's so important to us here at TAG and to RDI, is assuming competence and, you know, really assuming that our clients have the ability to achieve um, very large goals and um, that we want to give them these opportunities to really um, reach their potential. And I love the bell pepper example because um, what it tells me is that he's been integrating all that information that you've been focusing on recently. Um, I know I'm thinking of the clip you sent to me recently where you were frosting cookies and you were giving him opportunities to watch you and then take on more responsibility and finish the rest of the cookies on his own without any support from you. And it sounds like that's um, really what he was showing you with those bell peppers that he was able to observe. And again, without any encouragement from you, um, because he's intrinsically motivated, and he was able to take on that role and, and participate in, in helping prepare the, the family meal. And I just think that that's such a good example of um, what we're striving for, that the information is integrated and that our, our clients are able to, you know, really apply um, what they're learning and what they're experiencing because they're intrinsically motivated to do so. so. Right. And it's something I think as parents, we think when we, when autism, you know, comes as an unwelcome guest for many of us, um, we think that that's something we may never get back. And so mm-hmm. to see that your kids can, that we can remediate that, that deficit of, oh, there's not curiosity there, there's not motivation, but that that can be remediated and that that can be regained is, um, it, it means everything because if somebody's not motivated or curious, they won't want to engage. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that that comes back and that it comes back in the way that it would for a nat- someone who's developing naturally without a developmental disability, that it does come back is really nothing short of a miracle. I mean, it's, it's it's pretty amazing that that, you know, that that's reinstated Absolutely. for the Absolutely. And I'm so glad we had a chance to talk about that because I think that so many families um, have such a hard time believing that that's possible. 
and mm-hmm. um, you know that there 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 will always have to be some sort of external reinforcement or some a verbal praise um, to um, get their child to do something. And and in RDI, it's really not about getting the child to do anything specific. It's about giving them opportunities to want to participate and to want to connect and want to engage and want to participate or problem solve and be curious. And I think that's so essential to learning and developing and growing and and to know that it is absolutely possible is huge. So Yes, yes, it's it's been everything for us. So one of the things I would love to have hear you share about was um, your most memorable experiences over the years um, on this journey with Adam. And I know I have mine, <laughs> um, but I'd love to hear what your experience has been, um, what's, what your most memorable time together has been. Um, so hard to choose. Um, well, let's just, uh, we are huge Disneyland fans. We love to go to Disneyland and, um, Disneyland used to be so hard <laughs> mm-hmm. because again, it was kind of like Costco. It's this huge, overwhelming place. And I was, you know, constantly holding out of pan and trying to keep them close. And, um, it, it kind of sucks some of the joy out of Disneyland because you're focusing so much on making sure that Adam doesn't touch somebody else's soda or, um, you know, grab somebody else's stroller or just, it was just, it was just a very stressful thing. But because Adam has learned to see me as his guide and he is my apprentice, um, Disneyland is now the funnest thing and we go more than I, you know, sh- shamefully admit. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, now he, you know, he checks in with me. He keeps pace with me. I don't have to hold his hand. He, we're, he, you know, he sees something that he likes and he smiles. He's making decisions. He's choosing which rides. Um, and it's just such an awesome thing to be able to go there and not be able, not have to instruct him the entire time and worry so much because I know he's going to be where I'm at because we've got this great relationship now. Um, I know, um, you know, we, we dance together now and it's not mm-hmm. that I'm just telling Adam what to do. He's got ideas of his own, you know, he'll all, all contribute to dance moves. And he's like, well, Hey, how about this cool kick that I can do? And I'm like, Hey, well, why don't you spin me around? Because that's what guys do to girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's spinning me and dipping me. And, um, just the fact that we can dance together and that he enjoys it and that he actually will set the music up so that we can have a little dance party. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Just um, amazing that we're able to, you know, so those, those would have to be some of the top moments that, um, you know, they're just, I remember learning that, um, you know, um, this is what really made us make the jump to RDI is that um, the number one predictor of future happiness for our kids is not how smart they are in math or not how well they can do science or not how well they can follow instructions, but it will be the relationships that they have and that will determine their future happiness. And, um, you know, I feel like we're really on that road with Adam now and, um, you know, with all of our kids, but we're, we're talking about Adam today and just that um, because he can be so happy and enjoy interaction so much that, that his future is going to be very, very bright. Oh, I love it. I'm so glad to to hear those stories. And um, I don't know if you know, you may know that my most memorable time with Adam, too, is um, dancing together. And um, I remember very vividly having him come in um, for a peer match here at our clinic and having another teen um, participating. And we had a dance party and did a train throughout the, the clinic halls. And, um, yeah. and Adam was spinning me around. And it was just such an amazing joyful experience and um, just the, the the what I get to do is um, so incredible to have those moments and to experience those um, opportunities with our clients is just so incredible and you know I just think that 
it's so important. And I love that you are having these experiences with your son and, and being able to just have joy and to emotionally connect and to engage and just for the, for the end, all, you know, goal of being to just connect and um, not to get something out of it, but just for that purpose alone is so powerful. So, um, I love it. And I'd love to hear, you know, have you share how Adam's doing today? Um, he's 18, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's um, 18 now. And, um, you know, he's doing great. Um, his desire to um, be near his family and be involved in what we're doing is there. Um, you know, he's he's got a little classroom that we use to work on some academic goals at home, um, and we find that he'll he'll stay in there for a short period of time. But what he really wants is to be a part of the action. He does not want solitude. He does not want alone time. He wants to be in the middle of where everything is happening, which I think is great because there was a time where he would retreat and he would much rather watch videos or and um, or play a DS or do, do something anything anything but interaction, please. And now it's quite the opposite. So um, the fact that he um, is seeking out opportunities for engagement, that I'm not always having to invite him into an interaction, but that he's actually inviting me to engage, um, like I said, by bringing me music so that we can dance or bringing me, um, you know, a cutting board so that we can cook <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or saying I want to cook. I mean, because he's using his words a lot more now, too. I mean, with not a lot of pressure being there to have right or wrong answers with his verbalizations. They've increased tremendously. And so his, his verbalization is, you know, a lot better. Um, and so he's doing great. I mean, that being said, I, we know that it's, it's a long road and, um, you know, that, but I think, you know, he's got a committed mother and a committed father and committed siblings and committed professionals who are helping him. And so um, it, it's great. I mean, there's just, so many things that we we know we need to work on, but we're actually looking forward to it, and we're not super intimidated by the things we know that we need to tackle with Adam because we know that we've got a, a way that works very well for him and very well for our family. So, um, you know, he's he's doing great, better than we would have ever imagined. Oh, that's wonderful. I love it. And I love being able to see all of those successes along the way. And I want to give you um, just one last chance to share anything else you would like to share with our listeners um, from a mom's perspective. We just have a few minutes left. So um, just want to make sure I give you that opportunity if there's anything else you wanted to share. Sure. I just, I, in line with sharing information so that parents know what's out there, um, I think, you know, um, it was a big step for us to treat or to um, switch our therapeutic interventions for Adam. It was a, a scary thing and it was really took a leap of faith um, because you get used to something and, and you think that that's all there is. Um, but it really came down to, um, you know, a question. I had to um, contemplate a question that um, you had asked me and another parent had asked me, what are your priorities for Adam? What are your priorities? Are your priorities that he be com- um, obedient, that he be compliant, that he sit there nicely and listen, that he keep his hands nice and his feet nice, or, you know, are, is that really your priority, or would your priority more so be that he can develop a relationship with you and with others and um, really absorb and appreciate the joy that comes from interaction? Um, you know, what, what's your priority? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. I, you know, when it, was, when it was put in terms like that, I, I was a no-brainer. Well, my priority is that Adam be happy and that I don't have to reward him for staying near me, but that he's staying near me because he wants to. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, that is what 
RDI has done for Adam. That is what he's done for, what it has done for us. And we've been able to really see who he is, which, you know, we thought um, that we had lost that. And so um, being able to see truly who he is and to see bits of his personality um, come back and to know, okay, we don't have to wonder so much what if or what could have been because we have a lot of that that has been remediated and restored um, Mm -hmm. through this, this intervention. Oh, that's beautiful. No, thank you so much for, for sharing that. And thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your story and your testimonial and um, just offering that hope that I think is so important um, for families to have um, and, and sharing that information that so families know what's available to them um, if they choose it to be appropriate um, for their family. So um, thank you again. And um, with that, we're going to close. I really appreciate it. And it was wonderful, Katina. Um, and um, we'll be back next Tuesday at 11 o'clock Pacific Standard Time and have a wonderful day thank you again for listening be sure to tune in to Therapeutic Approach to Growth and join Brooke Wagner again every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel have a great week Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.